Welcome to Wuffles Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Wuffle. It's now or never for the Green Bay Packers. The Packers will play their most important game of the season Sunday night against the Detroit Lions. If the Packers win, they go to the playoffs. If they lose, they go home for the season. Greetings, I'm Gary Wolfel, and thanks for joining Rob Reichel and I for another Packers podcast. Good day, Rob. Good day, my friend. How are you? Good. How, how's that knee? Uh, can you uh, give our re- uh, list? I was going to say readers. Boy, you know where my mind's <laughs> well, you, you and update. I are longtime old newspaper guys, Gary. So, yeah, the first thought is usually readers. This this podcast world is new, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, can you uh, give us an update on your injury status? Are you uh, going to be activated for uh, Sunday night's big game? <laughs> I, I, I think I'm coming off IR, Gary. Yes. Oh, sweet. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're uh, we're 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 making nice progress, as as the doc would say, we're ahead of schedule. So, uh, yeah. For those that don't know, you uh, underwent knee surgery. What was it about three weeks ago, maybe? Yeah, we're at about four, Gary. It was a it, it was a total replacement. She was she was in rough shape. It, I I was running around on a flat tire. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, doc, the doc said it's one of the worst that he's done in quite a while. So, th- thanks for asking. And I won't bore the listeners because we've got really good stuff to get to with with Packers and Vikings and Lions and and Seahawks and all this good stuff. But uh, you know the recovery's gone great. My doctor was unbelievable and. Uh, should be at Packers Lions Sunday night. So excited for that. A lot on the line, like you mentioned. Yeah, no, I, I was curious if you were uh, hurting more from your surgery or, or watching that painful Bucks game last night. <laughs> I, I, I know you didn't watch it because you're not an NBA guy, but uh, I forced myself to watch it. Get this, Rob. I, I don't know if you heard this or not. The Toronto Raptors opened the game by missing their first 14 shots. <laughs> Uh, I did not hear that. No. How's that for professionalism, huh? 14 and yet, straight shots. And yet they closed the game on what, a 30 to 7 run or something to force overtime in the last three minutes? Yeah. And after they uh, missed their first 14 shots, the Bucks stormed to a 7 to nothing lead. <laughs> and then, get this, the Bucks came back and missed, I think, if, if I'm not mistaken, 13 straight shots themselves. <laughs> Gary, Gary, you know what? My Christmas gift, it, it's belated, is going to be to you. I'm going to send you about 10 good books to read, and I'm going to send you and your wife about $200 worth of, of gift certificates to, to Marcus Theaters. So on a, on a random Wednesday like last night, you don't have to subject yourself to watching that god-awful league, and you, you can take your lovely wife out to see the new Tom Hanks movie or something like that. Hey, I, I'm all for that. <laughs> That's a, it's a much better use of two and a half hours than watching that dreadful god-awful league that – that they, they charge an arm and a leg for, for this ridiculous brand of basketball on January 4th. Well, you know what? You, you actually beat me to the punch. I was going to say, you know, I, I get it. I, I'm an NBA fan. I, I like the game for the most part. Uh, but why would anybody buy regular season tickets? You know what I'm saying? When you got all these dog, right. team, dog teams coming to town and then you got load management, and uh, whatever excuse not to play players now because the regular season doesn't mean a lot. But, man, I'll tell you what, 
as uh, good as the NFL has it these days, the NBA has it. As hey, Gary, bad. Hey, Gary, I'm going to throw a stat by you. I saw the other day, and 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 I will say this. I think the NBA is two seasons. I cannot watch the regular season. I enjoy the playoffs, but it's a totally different. It's almost like a totally different sport. But back in 1962, do you know how many minutes Will Chamberlain averaged per game? Uh, Yeah, I think it was 48.5, if I'm not mistaken. My Lord, you're like literally to the 10th. You've drilled it. Not only did he not come out of games, Gary, you know, he had the overtimes, obviously, which extended his minutes. And, and now we get these clowns and these pansies and these turds today that need, you know, once a week off, like, like you mentioned, why would I ever buy a ticket now for February 20th? For example, if, if the nets are coming to town and and think to myself, Oh, I want to see Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant. And there's a 25% chance that these guys might not play or, or whatever the team is and whatever the player is, it's, it's such a bad look for the league. Gary, I think the younger generation accepts this and they say, well, it makes sense. You need these guys healthy by the playoffs and stuff. The old school guys like you and I that watched Michael Jordan or Larry Bird or Charles Barkley or, or Dr. J or whoever it was never come out of a basketball game unless their, their, their shoulder had been knocked out of, you know, socket. And and then Larry Bird would have just told him to pop it back in and he'd be pop off the bench and, 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 and he'd tell, whoever it was, I'm going to make this 27 footer. I'm going to come off this double screen. I'm going to set up right here and I'm going to stick it in your grill. And he, and he would do it. Um, It's, it, it, it's, it it was such a better world and a better game. And I, I I know I sound like the old guy and on the Muppet show sitting in the box, Gary crying about how, how things have changed and how much things are worse, but man, um, I miss 1980s basketball. I miss 1990s NBA basketball. That, that was at its apex. That was at oh, its a- absolutely. Yep. That, that was yep. the golden era of the It NBA. sure was. Yeah. You know, what, you know what better than me. That was golden era. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to belabor the point for our listeners who are here to listen to the Packers and the NFL, but what I, what I find absolutely disgusting and disrespectful to the fans is when a coach or GM decides to load manage a star player and, and the Bucks have done that a couple times over the years with Giannis and all these people coming, you know, to games at five serve show up and oh, Giannis isn't going to play tonight, you know? And, yep. and the problem is it's happened several times and these guys don't give a damn, you know what I mean? About the fans. So, well, let's move on to something uh, <laughs> more interesting and entertaining. You uh, bet. You know, here we are, last game of the NFL season, and the Packers are playing the Lions. And who would have thunk this game would have so many playoff implications? I mean, the Lions were just god-awful to uh, start out the season. I think they lost six of their first seven, then they turned it around and won six of seven. And one of the games they lost, Rob, was to New England, 29 to nothing. And uh, the Patriots are a nice team, but they're hardly a juggernaut. And uh, but for whatever reason, the Lions have turned it around to their credit and uh, have become a very solid team. Well, Gary, you know you did you did mention that early blowout loss they had to New England, and they, and they did start one and six, but most of those games were really tight, and and they just, they could not they could not hold leads or they could not get key stops on defense. You know they lost by three in Week One to Philly, which 
probably will be the number one seed in the NFC. They lost by four at Minnesota in week three. Minnesota's probably going to be the three seed when it's all said and done. You know, they, they put up 45 points, Gary, against Seattle in week four. Lost the game 48-45 because they couldn't stop anybody on defense. You know, it, they, they had a number of games like that early, Gary, where they, they were losing these one-score games, and they found a way to reverse those. And it actually happened, I think, what was it, week eight when they beat the Packers 15 to nine, uh, in, you know, in Detroit. And it, it seemed to seemed to turn around their season because they've had a number of those close games since then. They beat the Bears by one. Uh, they beat the Jets by three, you know, games like that. They beat the Giants, I think, by seven or ten, something like that. They, they've had a number of these close games, Gary, yeah. and they found yeah. a way to win them now. And and after one and six, here they sit at, at eight and eight. Uh, so what are they then seven and two, I guess that would be in the, in the last nine with a slim chance Detroit that is of, of making the playoffs. They're going to need some help early in the day, Sunday, uh, Gary, and they're, they're going to need the Rams to go to Seattle and, and upset the Seahawks. And I think that's about a seven point spread as mm-hmm. we're doing this podcast that Seattle's favored by about a touchdown. I thought it'd be even more than that because the Rams have absolutely nothing to play for and they'll probably shut down, you know, the Aaron Donalds and, and key guys like that on, on their roster who sure. are, who are beat, beat up a little bit. So, and, and, you know, and, and Gary, if that indeed happens, if Seattle does hold serve and do what they're supposed to do and beat the Rams on a Sunday afternoon, It'll be fascinating to see how the Lions play things Sunday night because they will have been eliminated. I mean, we're talking about, yeah, it's a playoff game for Green Bay then, but it's not a playoff game for Detroit. So mm-hmm. if, if you're Dan Campbell, how do you handle your people? How do you handle your, your roster? How do you handle, Gary, those 12 guys that come into this game at about 75 or 80%? Because as we well know, when you get to this point in an NFL season, everybody's hurt. Yeah. The only question is, are you hurt or are you injured, right? If you're hurt, you're playing the game. If you're injured, you're sitting it out. Um, you know, so these guys that are hurt, Gary, that normally would have played every snap for Detroit Sunday night if there's a playoff berth on the line, you know, now is Dan Campbell going to say, all right, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, for example, or Jamal Williams, <laughs> or Jared Goff, or, or Jamison Williams. Some of these people, Gary, who I'm sure are dinged up, do they all of a sudden go from 67 snaps on Sunday night to 25? It'll be interesting to see. I mean, the, the NFL did Green Bay a huge service, gave them a tremendous Christmas gift a week late by, <laughs> by playing them in prime time Sunday night after Seattle was finished. Mm-hmm. This is a huge benefit to the Packers and Packer Nation. Um, and, and, hey, you know, um, no, one in, no one around Wisconsin, you know, is, is, is going to care that this has, you know, a negative effect on Detroit or Seattle uh, as we as we line this thing up on Sunday. But I guarantee you, Gary, if if, if the shoe was on the other foot, Packer Nation would be going absolutely <laughs> bongos right now. Uh, absolutely. You know, if if, if if somehow they were put in the three o'clock game and then, you know, the playoff stakes were reversed on, you know, at the 720 game on, on Sunday night. But but again, Gary, I mean, we, we know throw competitive balance out the window when it comes to the NFL. They showed you what matters the most when it, when it comes to these primetime games, it's about ratings. It's about advertisers. It's about um, how many people are going to watch. And it's about the almighty dollar. And they're going to get a lot more dollars by putting the Packers at seven twenty on a Sunday night versus, versus two other random teams. And, 
then Gary, in all likelihood, they'll a week from now, we'll be sitting here talking about, you know, green Bay uh, in the playoffs, going to San Francisco rather than a team like Seattle uh, going to San Francisco for a first round playoff game. And, and we all know the storylines are going to be juicy as heck, Gary, if it's Aaron Rodgers uh, is, as the seven seed going back to San Francisco, the team that blew him off in the 2005 draft and the team that he's never been able to beat in the playoffs. That is, that is some salty storylines right there, Gary versus Geno Smith, for example, going to, going to San Francisco for the first round of the playoffs. And that's going to make a big difference, Gary, in terms of, of viewership. Uh, when, once we get to the postseason, and of course the almighty dollar. Yeah. You know, uh, just going back a little bit on your comments with how, how the Lions might approach this game, knowing Campbell and what I've heard about him, he, he takes every game seriously. I mean, which, which he should as a, as a head coach, but I think they're going to try to play to the best of their abilities and they're not just going to fall over um, for the mere, mere reason is that they're trying to establish a culture. They're a winning culture and they already, as you know, beat the Packers earlier this season. And even if they can't go to the playoffs, they got this little carrot that says, hey, you know what? We beat the Packers twice this season. And you probably know this better than me, but when's the last time the Lions ever beat the Packers twice, you know, in one season? So I, I fully expect the Lions to play very hard and uh, try to win that game. I agree with you, Gary, but but here's – I think there's going to be a break point. You know, much like that Minnesota game last week, if if this game is 24-6, to six, let's say, early in the third quarter, if yes. this game is – Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. 20 to 20 to three at halftime, something like that. Uh, you know, if green Bay can take control early Gary and, and kind of put their foot on the lion's throat, so to speak, I could see Campbell emptying the bench far earlier than, than he would have. If obviously, if this is a playoff game now, I, I think for, you know, for the sake of drama, it would be fantastic if the Rams can upset the Seahawks. And now this is a winner take all game that we're talking about Sunday night. But again, if, if Seattle does win, Detroit's eliminated before the game even starts, you do wonder at some point in time, especially with guys, Gary, that are nursing injuries, right. Or, or these guys that, you know, maybe Campbell and the medical staff do have a concern about potentially long-term kind of stuff. Does Campbell shut some of those guys down earlier? Uh, like I said, if, if Gary, if this game's 24-6 midway through the third quarter, does he take out a Jared Goff, right? Does he does he take out a Mon St. Brown? Does he take out a Hutchinson? You know, do, do, does he take out two starting corners, whatever it is, something yeah, like that? Yeah. And, and now instead of all 22 on the field of his starters, maybe he's down to 12 or 14 or 15. I mean, the bottom line is if, if, if Green Bay can jump on these guys early, Gary, um, I, I think you will you you will probably see that approach from Campbell at some point in time where maybe he goes to his bench and his subs, you know, mid-third, something like that, far earlier than he would have if the game had playoff implications. If Green Bay, Gary, lets Detroit hang around, whether there's a playoff spot at stake or not for the Lions, I could see Campbell playing his guys then certainly all 60 minutes. I mean, if this game's 20-20 going to the fourth yeah. quarter, Campbell's not going to get his people out of the game. He's going to no, let him finish no. the game. So I, I think, I think Gary, it's largely going to be dictated 
by by what Green Bay can do early in this football game. And, you know, if they can jump out to a nice big lead, much like they did last week, Gary, in the Minnesota game. Yeah, no, I, I totally concur. Um, you know, the, the Lions have gotten some really nice play from a number of people, and, and you named most of them. But the guy that has really impressed me uh, from that team is Jamal Williams. And uh, as you know, and certainly most of our listeners know, he played for the Packers his first four seasons uh, in Green Bay and uh, now the last two with the Lions. And he's having a heck of a year. Uh, I think he has 994 yards. He ranks 10th in the NFL in rushing. And uh, he's just behind, of all people, Aaron Jones. So uh, it, it looks like Jamal Williams, you know, has found a home uh, in Detroit. And it's awesome, Gary, that he did, because he's one of the better guys to have come through that locker. I've done this since 2001. He's he's one of the more entertaining characters, and, and he always had time for people. He was always thoughtful on his answers, and at the same point in time, he's extremely entertaining. You wanted something funny. You wanted a good quote. You went to Jamal Williams. And, and he was beloved, Gary. He's, he's kind of a character. He's beloved in that locker room still in Green Bay today. And he's turned out to be a really good leader, the kind of leader the Lions needed, one of these, one of these guys that is going to light a fire under some of the younger people's tails. Um, it, to, to see him have this level of success, I, I think only Austin Eckler – with, with the chargers, Gary has more rushing touchdowns this year than Jamal Williams. Hmm. Uh, you know, everybody coming into the season thought it was going to be Deandre Swift's ground. Yes. Game and he, and he yes. would be the guy everybody would, you Good know, race to win fantasy. And he was going to be the number one running back and Jamal might get eight or 10 carries a game behind him. Well, Gary, he's at almost you know, Williams. That is, is almost at 250 carries, um, you know, through 16 games. So we're talking about 15 carries a game. You hit it. He's going to go over a thousand yards um, in all likelihood. He only needs six yards against green Bay comes Sunday. So, so he'll go over a thousand yards. He's got the 15 rushing touchdowns. So no, it's, it's been really nice to see him have that level of success. Um, again, he's, he's one of the good guys that passes through in the league. And, and I think, and Matt LaFleur said this a number of times, many of the Packers players have said it, a, you know, a number of times, Gary, they, they all root for Jamal Williams other than twice a year when they, when yeah. they have to go face him. And, and Sunday night will be one of those times he, he, he's a tough, you know, he gets what's blocked, Gary, and then about an extra yard or two. That was always the difference between him and Aaron Jones. Uh, Jones has more explosiveness and, and can take something to the house anytime. Jamal is 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 certainly built or, you know, along the lines more of A.J. Dillon, um, mm-hmm. you know, that that he's more of a grinder, a plotter. A, you know, his, his career average is always going to be around, or his season average, Gary, is always going to be around four yards a carry. He's not going to be that five, five and a half like an Aaron Jones. Um, but, but again, he always gets what's blocked. He falls forward. He's tough to bring down. They've got a terrific offensive line. One of the top two, three, four units in football, Gary, um, the quarterback has played outstanding for him, which is amazing that they, they're going to get all these draft picks coming back in the Matt Stafford, uh, trade and Jared Goff's had a better season by far. Now, now Stafford obviously won the Super Bowl last year. So the Rams can't argue, but, but, you know, looking to the, to the next two, three years, Gary, maybe Jared Goff might wind up being the better quarterback. Uh, you know, if, if Stafford can't come back from injury and, and we'll see how that plays itself out, but you know, Goff's had a terrific year. He's over 4,000 yards. He's, he's gonna, he's got 28, 29 touchdowns himself, Gary, uh, you know, the, the wideouts are really good, especially with the young kid coming now, Williams, the first round pick out of, out of Alabama. 
starting to show up here in the in the last few games. But Amon St. Brown, um, Amon Ross St. Brown, that is, is a is a Pro Bowler. They've they've got some depth there. You know, with with guys like Raymond and Chark and and Williams is going to turn out to, you know, be a stud. The kid they got out of Alabama, so it's a it's a really good offense, Gary. I think they rank third in the league in total offense. The problem for them, and it's been a problem for them for 15 years, kind of like Green Bay special teams had been up until this season. The problem for them is they can't stop anybody. They are dead last in total defense. You know, Green Bay and their offense should uh, really should have a field day come Sunday night. Yeah, you, uh, you you mentioned Jamison Williams. The Packers obviously are going to be concerned with uh, their running backs and St. Brown and and so forth. But to me, Williams is the type of guy that could make or break a game. Um, I've watched several of their games uh, over the last month or so. And at least one time during the game, they're going to take a, a shot deep with Williams, you know, very similar to what the Packers do with Watson. Right. And uh, th- this guy could be a game breaker. Uh, th- there was a reason he was the uh, 12th pick in the draft and uh, just a uh, world of speed. The guy can fly. The the 12th pick in the draft. And you knew you probably wouldn't have him in all likelihood for two thirds, three quarters, maybe all of, of, of the 2023 season. Right. I mean, right. Uh, coming off that that ACL. I I don't know his official time, Gary, because he didn't run last year. You remember at the combine, he had, he had hurt his knee in the national championship game, but the Alabama people were putting out, you know, and and I think Gary, he even ran maybe at their pro day the year before he was picked, but he was in that four, two, five to four, three O range in terms of his speed, you know, which, which is right where Christian Watson is for, you know, for Packer fans, he's in that, high four twos, low four threes range himself. So you're, you're talking about an absolute blazer and a, and a guy who was also heavily praised Gary coming out, uh, not just for his speed, but for his route running and his hands and um, you know, his vertical and his, his catch radius and, and all these things. I mean, he went 12th Gary with a knee and I, you'd have to think he was going to go top five, top six, if it wasn't for that injury mm-hmm. uh, that, that he had last year in the national championship game against Georgia. So no, he's going to develop into, I, I think an absolute monster for them down the road. And, and when you combine him with St. Brown and then some of those other guys they have, it's, it's going to wind up being a really good offense here in Detroit for the, for the next handful of years. What, what they've got to do is get things figure it out on, on the defensive side of the ball. You know what I find interesting too, Gary, and, and, and this is a credit to their coaches and their coaching staff, because I've watched a bunch of them too, a bunch of their games this year too, for, for whatever reason, they think the Milwaukee market loves the lions and, and every other week you, <laughs> yeah, you, get exactly. a lion, you get a lions game on Fox, no matter who the opponent is, they are relatively entertaining, which, which is the good part, but, but you know, they, they traded TJ Hawkinson, the, 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 the stud tight end they had at the deadline Gary to Minnesota, and they've had two uh, two tight ends since then. Both catch four touchdowns. One's named Brock Wright. One is named Shane Zilstra. I mean, two guys nobody had ever heard of two months ago. And and I've watched them consistently, Gary. They're not overly talented guys, you know, probably a lot like a DeGuar or whatever in Green Bay. Right. But they scheme so well to get those tight ends open. And both of those guys have four touchdowns 
since the trade of Hawkinson. So that's eight touchdowns combined out of that position in probably what eight weeks, let's call it. So they're getting a touchdown a week out of the tight end position, which anybody in the league other than Kansas city, I think would, would be thrilled to get Kansas city gets probably even more than that with, with Kelsey and and the hall of fame type of player that he is. Um, but, but I'll tell you, Gary, they, they've done terrific work on the offensive side of the football uh, to get those guys open, to continue to, to find ways to get St. Brown the ball because defenses have absolutely put all their attention onto him at times in the passing game. It's opened up things like we talked about, you know, for guys like Raymond and Chark and Reynolds and, and people like that, that they, they have. And, not, and now Williams, since he's come back from that injury and the fact they run the ball so well and have one of the better lines in football, it is going to be a terrific challenge for Green Bay's defense to try to slow down Detroit's offense. You know, I, I was just thinking about this. You know how the uh, Pro Bowl is not going to be the Pro Bowl anymore, you know, getting rid of the game, and they're going to have all these contests? Right. Why don't they bring in, like, the eight fastest players in the NFL? You know, the Williams, the Watsons, <laughs> you know, Tyreek uh, – Hill, you know, Hill. And, and just have, you know, go through a semifinal race and then a finals race. I would love to see that just to see, you know, who is the NFL's fastest man. Well, Gary, if it was 1981 and this was battle of the network stars, yes, <laughs> we might see something like that, but you know, in 2023, every agent and every team and every player is terrified that when they line up to run that race, someone's going to twist an ankle or pull a hamstring or something like that. And they will not let players do that anymore. Much like every contract now that is written says, you know, Gary Wolfel, you're a major league baseball pitcher. So now you, you are not allowed to play basketball or whatever in the off season. You're yeah, not allowed yeah. to ride. You're not allowed to ride dune buggies. You're not allowed to, 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 to hang glide and, and bungee jump. I I'm with you, Gary. It, it would be very fun to watch. Right, or, or bring in the uh, NFL strongest players, you know? Yes. Get yes, these beefy hopefully. guys and like six, eight guys and bring them in. <laughs> I, I think it'd be entertaining. It's well, of course it more would. In- of course it would. But but in 2023, Gary, anything that's fun, they want to take away from us. Yeah, you know what though? Having been around pro athletes, you show them the Benjamins, they'll be there. <laughs> you know, yeah, you probably need to come up with a lot of them. But but it's but yeah. it's a pretty good idea. I, I think you run that up the Roger Goodell flake pole. And, and yeah, and we'll see how we'll see how far up it gets. Robin, it would run right back down. <laughs> <laughs> but but you are right to to watch Christian Watson race Hill uh, from Miami, and the, and the winner gets to race Jamison Williams or something like that. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, and also knowing pro athletes, they like to compete. And I, you're absolutely spot on in your your comments that it probably won't happen, but. Uh, these pro athletes like to compete no matter what it is. And uh, I, I think if Goodell and, and company sold it to him and saying, hey, because nobody's going to watch the Pro Bowl. Otherwise, nobody's watched in recent years. So they, they got to come up with a uh, fresh idea and something that uh, will uh, captivate the audience. So Yeah, and, and that will be interesting. I mean, you, you remember, Gary, some of those contests they used to run with quarterbacks and they'd have the moving yes. targets. And yeah. 30 yards downfield, Dan Marino would try to hit this little thing moving or whatever. I mean, I would think they come up with some of that kind of stuff or whatever. I don't think they're going to make these athletes do anything overly taxing or physical, though, that could lead to an injury. Right. Because then a year from a year from then, Gary, you won't see any of them go back. 
Yep. No, I agree with you, Rob. Hey, let's uh, turn our attention to the Packers and uh, specifically Aaron Rodgers. We, we've never talked about him in the past, but uh, <laughs> uh, he, he made an interesting comment the other day on McAvee's show. And, uh, you know, speaking of McAvee's show, what do you think the ratings are when Rodgers is on that show and when Rodgers isn't? You know, you I, think about- pretty, I think they're pretty good either way because my understanding is, is McAfee's making – 20 times the money by doing this than he ever did by being an average punter in the NFL. I'm going to guess they at least double Gary. Yeah, me too. And Rogers kind of put him on the map, you know, but coming on that show, I mean, he had a big time uh, attraction there and uh, it was an interesting show, but um, he made a comment. And and again, I'm not sure if it was on McAfee's show or, or in a press conference in green Bay about, how he's become the leader. And even though he's had an uneven season, he felt like his leadership has stepped up. And um, you know what, Rob? I mean, it sounds good, but the guy's been around, what, 18 seasons? His leadership should have been, you know, pretty apparent pretty early in his career. But uh, you're paying this dude $50 million a year, and it's not for leadership. It's for production. And uh, I, I think if you're, you know, honest about this, he has not had a good season. It's very, been a very pedestrian season by his standards. And uh, I, I can't remember if we brought this up last week or not on our podcast, but he has yet to throw for a 300-yard passing game. Uh, I think his highest is like 291. And uh, if you look at Patrick Mahomes, I think he's got like, what, eight or nine 300-yard games. He's got a couple 400-yard games. And if the Packers are going to beat the Lions, if they're going to do anything in the playoffs, Rodgers has to take his game you know, to another level. Yeah, Gary, and to piggyback on your 300-yard stat there, it's not just in, in 2022 uh, or the 2022 season. The last four or five games of last year, five counting the playoffs, he also didn't throw for 300 yards. Interesting. So, so, so we're talking 21 games in a row yeah. that Rodgers has not hit the 300-yard barrier. No, he's he. It's it's probably a little bit of a stretch to say game manager because he's been better than that, um, or caretaker of the offense or whatever. But, but you're not wrong whatsoever. This is as mediocre of a season, at least statistically, that we have seen from Aaron Rodgers, probably dating back to his, his first season as, as, as a starter in, in 08. I think he had 28 touchdowns and 15 picks that year. This year right now, he's at 25 and 11, Gary. Um, yeah. You know, he, he, he's going he's gonna to be under 30 touchdown passes Starting every single game, Gary, think about that. Um, there's only seven or eight quarterbacks in the league that, you know, and credit to Aaron for that point, I guess, for staying healthy. Um, but he's, you know, he's going to start all 17 games. So he's got an extra game compared to the overwhelming majority of his seasons in the league. And and he's going to throw for, I mean, if, if, he, if he stays kind of on his average for the year, Gary, he's going to finish the season with 27 touchdowns. You know, he, he's throwing about one and a half per game this particular season. I mean, it's, it's, he's got career lows in several of these categories across the board, Gary touchdowns per game, you know, yards per game, things like that. His interceptions are at 11. That's as many as he threw in the first three years of Matt LaFleur, um, you know, combined. So his interceptions are up. Um, 
you know, he's put the ground, he's put the ball on the ground a handful of times, Gary, um, you know, his fumbles have, have been too high and he got a couple of them back, but he's still putting the ball on the ground. You're right. I mean, in all likelihood a week from now, uh, we're doing a podcast. And if we play the odds here, Gary, the odds say that green Bay is going to be in San Francisco or in Santa Clara a week from now. And that's going to be your two versus seven matchup. Yeah. And, and we're going to have an incredibly interesting uh, podcast a week from now. We're going to have so much to talk about um, in terms of, you know, Rogers trying to go back and beat the team that that stiffed him in, in the 2005 draft, or at least stiffed him in, in Aaron's eyes. And, and he said that you remember somebody, somebody put a microphone in his face five seconds after, you know, the, the 49ers that year took Alex Smith and they said, Aaron, you know, what do you, you know, what, what, what do you think the 49ers are, are yeah. going to do or think or whatever, or, you know, are, are the, in, I, I forget the exact question, but Aaron's comment coming back was, well, you know, they're, they're largely going to be sorry for, they're, they're going to be far more sorry for, for ignoring <laughs> me than I'm going to be, you know, for having wound up in green Bay or whatever it was. And, and he's seen him Gary four times in the playoffs since then. And, and he lost twice to Colin Kaepernick in, in 12 and 13. And he lost to Jimmy Garoppolo in 19 and 21. And you could certainly argue those guys outplayed him uh, in, in every single one of those games, other than 19 where San Francisco just ran the ball every single time. And they, you know, I think they had 50 offensive plays and, and 42 of those were runs, but Aaron has never been particularly good in those playoff games. Gary, he hasn't been good against the 49ers. It's a huge reason the Packers are on four against San Francisco and the Aaron Rodgers era. So to your initial point, he's going to have to be dramatically better if that is who they play or whoever it is yeah. they play Gary next, next week, because, you know, San Francisco's got the number one defense in football, the other two teams they could potentially play. And, and the odds of these are low Gary, but the, the, there is a chance they could play Philly. There is a chance they could play Dallas. You know, though, though they've already lost at Philly this year. That's a tough road environment. He'd have to go back and play McCarthy again, this time down in Dallas. Um, you know, that, that would be tough sledding, but again, the odds say he's going to go play San Francisco, the number one defense in football and for green, you know, and, and they absolutely destroy the run game, Gary, the 49ers do. So if green Bay would win that game or have a chance for green Bay to have a chance to win that game, Rogers is going to have to be lights out. So your point is a thousand percent spot on uh, Rogers has not been particularly impressive this year for an Aaron Rodgers, you know, season, this is a C, a C minus one of those kind of years. He's been very average, especially when you consider that you're paying him, you know, 20% of your salary cap money, 22%, really 50 million. And, and the cap's about 210. So it, it, it's one of those deals, Gary, where he's going to have to pick it up from, from this point forward, much like he did in 2010 when he got hot. And they went and won a Super Bowl. He hasn't been good in the playoffs since then. And 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 Packer Nation comes at me hard every time I tell them that, Gary. And and they don't want to hear it. They don't they don't want to believe that their hero has has let them down time and time again in the postseason. But if the Packers are going to make another run, Gary, in in the in the number one to get into the playoffs, and then number two to have a postseason run, period, Rodgers has to be the best player on the field. He just does. It's that simple. Yeah, and again, it goes back to money. I mean, they're not yep. paying them fifty million to be a leader. You know, you go get t- Taylor Heineke if you want that, or <laughs> Kirk Cousins, or you know, this guy's supposed to be an upper echelon quarterback, and he hasn't done that. Now, in fairness to Aaron, I mean, he's been banged up, and we all know that with his thumb and wrist. 
But, uh, you know, the one thing that ca- has kind of caught my eye, though, probably since the middle of the season, he's shown a proclivity to run the ball more. Have you noticed that? That he's certainly he, down the stretch, Gary, these yes. last four weeks. Yes. Yes. It's not like he's content to uh, just uh, stay in the pocket and look for a receiver. He's actually showing some running ability. And uh, for a 39 year old guy, he's still got his wheels. So uh, I, I'll be very curious to see if, you know, if that happens, you know, uh, going forward or continue would, going forward. Yeah. You know, Gary, when we hit this time of the year and these are must win games, um, you know, when he's turning down some of these runs in September, October against the Giants, against the Commanders, people like that. To me, at that time of the year, Gary, he's making a business decision, right? He's, sure, he, sure. He's saying, he's saying it's not worth it to go pick up these nine yards and potentially take us, to, you know, take a smack to the head and now missing three games with a concussion or or something like that. You get late in the year when you're sitting there at four and eight and you're in must win situations, then yeah, I, I think it's a no brainer. He's got to take off and run. And um, you know, his, his, he had a couple of big runs in the Miami game on Christmas, Gary, uh, you know, last week against Minnesota, uh, the terrific ball fake when he's out of the pocket to get, to get the defender to jump and leave his feet. And then he runs right by him. I'm on, I'm a, I always kind of, kind of chuckle Gary, you know, when, when he got a 40 year old quarterback out there on the move and, and he's five yards past the line of scrimmage and he fakes the throw, like he's still going to throw it. The defender <laughs> yeah. jumps and he leaves his feet. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, whatever, I've never been in that situation like that defender. Um, you know, so I, I guess I can't criticize him too much for leaving his feet, but you got to know where you are on the field. And, and, you know, you know, Rogers is over the line of scrimmage and he's faking the throw and then he waltzes into the end zone. But uh, no, it's, it, it's certainly an element of Rogers game that has been proficient in past seasons. And like you mentioned, Gary, he still is spry enough. He's quick enough to, to get out there and get six, eight, 10, 12 yards. Yeah. When, when everybody is, has their head turned downfield, they're all in man coverage. They're playing, you know, they're playing the receiver 30 yards downfield and they're not paying any attention to what's going on back in the pocket. Rogers is taking advantage of those situations. If they present themselves in the playoffs, Gary, he's got to do it again, because I mean, I, 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 I think Packer nation will never forget this. I know I, where you're going. <laughs> vividly, yeah. This should be vividly, you know, uh, burned into their brain for the rest of time. The fact Rodgers in 2020 in that NFC title game against Tampa Bay, and it's just him and Sue on the third down play, and Rodgers is about the 10-yard line. And, Gary, he could have scored. At worst, Sue was going to get him at the 2-3 yard line, something like that. Rodgers turned down that run, threw it into double coverage to Adams for the incompletion, and then on fourth down, as we all know, Matt LaFleur, all gas, no break. Matt LaFleur, right? Um, Matt LaFleur went slamming on the brakes and he and he kicked the field goal and they lost the game to Tampa Bay by five. And uh, th- to me, Gary, that'll go down as, you know, one of the worst decisions of Roger's career. And it's going to it's going to haunt Matt LaFleur until he wins a Super Bowl. So we're, we're at we're at a point, Gary, where you're in the season now and, and every play is enormous and and Roger's. You know, Rodgers has to take what a defense gives him and, and make that run because Aaron's never going to admit this, Gary, but he made a terrible mistake in 2020 turning down that run against the against the uh, Buccaneers. And then Matt LaFleur made a bigger mistake by kicking the field goal. So if he can avoid those situations, Gary, then it, it's obviously going to be a big benefit for Green Bay. Yeah. You know, we're, we're talking about the importance of Rodgers uh, going forward. 
Uh, let, let, let's face it. If uh, Keyshawn Nixon hadn't uh, stumbled onto the scene, we, we wouldn't even be talking about playoffs at this point. I mean, what a godsend. I mean, this guy has just become arguably, in my mind at least, the most electrifying receiver since uh, Travis Williams in Green Bay. And I know there's a lot of Desmond Howard fans, but, man, I'll tell you, what, what Nixon has done – is amazing. I mean, we, we saw the 105-yard uh, kick return uh, last Sunday. He now leads the league in kickoff returns at 30 yards uh, return. And not only that, uh, he's av- he's leading the league in average per uh, punt return, and I think right around 14 or 15. Although he hasn't have he doesn't have enough to uh, qualify for the uh, NFL. T- uh, title in that category, but man, has he energized this team? I I mean, there's no question. Like I said, he's been a godsend. Good thing. They spent half a year screwing around with Amari Rogers, right? (laughs) Yep, exactly. (laughs) How's he doing by the way? (laughs) I do. I do know his first game in Houston and I haven't paid much attention since he caught a touchdown his first game in Houston. Yeah, Um, he did. After that, we haven't heard from him though. And and I don't think you'll hear a lot from him over the next couple of years before he winds up in the USFL Gary. No, what Nixon has done has been absolutely remarkable. I mean, I was competing and you're right. Um, you know, Desmond Howard is the first people everybody want wants to go and compare him to, but um, and 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 rightfully so. Desmond's been their most electrifying returner in the past three decades, uh, and obviously was you know enormous in them you know winning that '96 Super Bowl. But Nixon's numbers are better. I went and looked at that the other day, Gary. You know, they're better than what Desmond's were back in '96. Now Desmond took he, it. He up. wasn't a great kickoff returner, was he? I mean, no, he wasn't. He was, he was low twenties that year, yeah, Gary. Yeah, ish uh, now he was better on punts. I think he was 14, 15 on punts. Uh, his numbers did skyrocket in the playoffs, though. If you remember, he had the enormous game sure. in the playoffs against the 49ers. He had the Super Bowl of all Super Bowls when he won the MVP, which I which I still say was nonsense over Brett Favre that day. But whatever. That's yeah. a, a I'm again, I digress there. But no, what, what Nixon has done, Gary, and I wrote this earlier in the week. I, I went back and I kind of looked at this and in you, you, you kind of go into a season, Gary, and you, you, you think to yourself, all right, these are going to be your 22 starters, right? These are your core special teams guys. And, and every, every two, three, four years, there's a guy that kind of comes out of nowhere. And you're like, boy, he wasn't on the radar in August. He wasn't on the radar in September, right? right? He even maybe sometimes in October. And, and the guys that I really found that jumped out in the last 25 years or so were certainly Desmond Howard in 96. Now, if you remember, and I've talked to Ron Wolf about this at length, Ron Wolf was going to cut Desmond Howard halfway through training camp that year. And then Desmond in a play in a, in a preseason game against Pittsburgh, Gary, he brought back a kick return for a touchdown and Wolf said, no, you know what? I guess we're keeping this guy. (laughs) Um, You know, Desmond came out of nowhere in 96 and, and jazzed up those special teams. Like, like nothing we've, we've seen Uh, Gary is a rookie. I think it was in O or O one. What Kabir get drafted in? I think Kabir got drafted in O. So then in so he did nothing in double O. I think he was only active four or five games. He comes back the next year, Gary. You know, he, he, he makes the team, but people think he's going to be a backup defensive end. Yeah, he's fourth in the league in sacks. He was he had thirteen and a half sacks then in O one. Again, a guy that comes out of absolute nowhere, right? And 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 steals the show. In 07, Gary, Ryan Grant wasn't on the football team 
when they put together their final 53 man roster. And then Ted Thompson, a day later trades for him, And he winds up rushing for almost a thousand yards and takes, it helps take him to the NFC championship game. You know, Ryan Grant is one of those guys that came out of nowhere. And then you look last year, Gary, Rasul Douglas, a month into the mm-hmm. season is sitting on Arizona's practice squad and, and green Bay plucks him, And he winds up being a pro bowl corner. Keyshawn Nixon to me, Gary is every bit as big of a Cinderella, a rakes to riches kind of story as any of those players. I just outlined there. You could argue Gary, he's their most surprising story or player of the last 30 years. I mean, he, he, he's given them that kind of jolt. He's, he is single-handedly, I shouldn't say single-handedly because his blocking has been outstanding. The, yes. these guys I, I, on that touchdown, Rob, yeah. the, the blocking was extraordinary. I mean, it was, it was textbook. Unbelievable. Gary, you yeah. would have, you would have hit the 40 yard line yourself. I mean, no, I really <laughs> at least the 38. There you um, go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, not to be whatever. Cause Nixon is terrific. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, but there, there are a lot of guys, even Romeo dubs, for example, that could have brought that ball back to at least midfield or something like that on that particular play. The blocking has been that good, but there have been other times, Gary, because Nixon is so clever and, and he's so, he's so slippery and he, and he's so elusive and he, and he has such terrific moves. Um, it, I go back to that Miami game on Christmas, for example, where he had the 93 yarder and almost scored. I mean, Gary, he, he is, he is, again, I don't want to say single-handedly, but he has largely, you know, invigorated that group to the point that every time they take the field, you now feel at least in in the kick return game, that something good is going to happen. And for 20 years, you thought the complete opposite, right? Get to the 25 yard line. Don't fumble the football. That was, that was kind of the goal. Like Aaron Rodgers has commented on Gary uh, a couple different times for, for all those years, the ball would be three yards deep in the end zone. And Aaron said, he kept thinking, stay there, stay there, stay yeah. there. Yeah. Now Nixon catches it and he's like, keep on coming, come on out, come on out. And and that's just how, you know, I, I, I think that's how all Packer nation uh, does and, and, and really should feel. Um, he, no, it's, it's an incredible story, Gary. It, 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 he, he didn't do any returning whatsoever at South Carolina, his last couple of years in college, he did a little bit, at a Juco prior to that, where he had a couple kick returns for a touchdown uh, during his time at the Juco, but his number, he, he had like five or six returns when he was with Masachi and the Raiders, his numbers were unbelievably pedestrian. So yeah. again, coming to camp in August, there is no way anybody could have seen this happening. And it's one of the reasons I'm sure that they screwed around with Amari Rogers as long as they did. And, and, and I did find it interesting, Gary, he, you know, Keyshawn Nixon was asked after the Minnesota game last week, you know, wh- what took so long? Why was it week eight, week nine before we saw you? And he did make some kind of comment that a lot of times this is above the coach's pay grade. It's management. And, and it made me think, uh, right, was, was this a Brian Gutekunst deal? Was Brian Gutekunst telling Basachi and, and Matt LaFleur and these people, you're playing Amari Rogers, deal with it, like it or not. He's a third round draft pick, get him out there. And eventually Amari Rogers just fumbled his way out of town, right? He had five fumbles in, in seven games or whatever it was. And green Bay decided they couldn't live with that anymore. So here comes Keyshawn Nixon, Gary. He's one of the NFL's great stories of 2022. And, and he's a huge reason that the Packers are on the, on the precipice and the doorstep of going to the playoffs. It's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, that uh, 30 yards uh, average he has is very impressive. And if he maintains that or even increases it, 
it would be the uh, second best in Packers history. And uh, as you well know, Rob, you know who who's number one, my guy, the Roadrunner. Um, I mean, to this day, I, I'm still boggled by what he did. 41.1 yards a return. It's not only a Packer record, it's an NFL record. And uh, you know how they say some records will never be broken? Yeah. I would be absolutely floored if anybody ever breaks that. 41.1 yards a return. Crazy. What year was that, Gary? 1967. 67, okay. Yeah, yeah no, that's, that, that is one that probably won't be, right? Like the Cal Ripken you know, yeah. streak and whatever, you know, wins of baseball pitchers. Cause they all come out now after five and a third innings and, and things like that. Nope. That, that, that is one that may not be touched. That is, you know, the Brett Favre Ironman streak, things like that. You, you, you just don't see some ever go down. That's probably going to be one of them, Gary. I, I agree with you. You know, uh, uh, when I, when I look back at the uh, pack records, one guy that nobody ever talks about as, as a kickoff returner, now we're going to talk to the uh, older crowd that's listening <laughs> because he was, he was a uh, pro bowl cornerback, but Herb Adderley was a phenomenal kick returner as well. I, I think his average is up somewhere around 29, 30, somewhere in that ballpark as well. But uh, again, what Keyshawn Nixon is doing now is darn impressive. Yeah, Gary, I mean, he leads – I mean, and, and think about this. He, I mean, for all practical purposes, he didn't take over the kick return job until midseason. Yeah. Uh, you know, he had a couple chances here or there against Buffalo or whatever it was. Um, you know, but halfway through the year, Gary, I think he had two, three opportunities is all that it was. And now we're sitting here today – you know, he, he has five returns of over 50 yards. No one else in the league has more than two. Is that um, what it is? Five over 50? Yes. Five over wow. 50. Isn't that unbelievable? It yeah. is. Yeah. And, and again, you know, two and a half times more than, than the second place guy in that category right now in the league, Gary, he's got the most returns of over 30 yards. Like you mentioned, his average is 30 yards. And the, and the other thing, Gary, he, he's just getting better and better at it. Um, and, and I think they're getting more and more confident too, as a blocking unit, they love blocking for this guy. And like you saw in that Minnesota game, he only had to make one person miss Gary. It was the kicker, you know, and, and, and Joseph made a feeble attempt at whatever yeah. it was the 35 yard line. He went to his knees trying to, you know, and instead of trying to square up and actually knock him down, um, you know, he kind of went and fell to the turf and almost hoped to trip him um, or something like that. And, um, you know, th- these guys are blocking their tails off for him as, as well, Gary. And he, he's got big holes to get himself started. And, and then from there, he, c- he can do the rest of the work, much like he did in, in that Miami game on Christmas on his, on his big return there. I mean, Gary, his last two returns, one was 93, one was 105. Think of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's an average of 99 on his last two returns. He only had the one return last week against Minnesota, um, and, he, and he won the NFC Special Teams Player of the Week as, as he should have. So he's just added an element to, to you know, for how many times have we done this podcast, Gary, over the last two or three years, and, we, and we'd say, if special teams just doesn't <laughs> yeah. kill Green Bay, yep. right, then yep. they should win this game or they should win that game. You know, they've got the advantage in A, B, C, and D. And, boy, if they can just get a draw in special teams. Well, they're to a point now, and, and it's interesting, and, and, and I found this really fascinating yesterday, Gary. Rogers was, was meeting with 
you know, local reporters and somebody asked him, you know, to, to make a comparison to 2016 when that team got hot and was, you remember that team was four and six and then they won their last six of the regular season and their first two playoff games. So they were on an eight game winning streak going to Atlanta for the NFC championship game. And somebody asked him that uh, yesterday, Gary, if uh, you know, he saw similarities between uh, 16 and 22 and he, and he kind of, you know, when he outlined, okay, we're better here, we're not as good there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then he said, but the one big difference is Keyshawn Nixon. And that was his, and, and that was kind of how he finished the, the breakdown. And, and it was yeah. kind of period, period, end of sentence, end of comment, right? Back sure. then we had this, this, and this, but now we have Keyshawn and now we have this, this, and this, and we have Keyshawn Nixon. And I mean, it, it, it really is. He's one of those difference maker game breaker kind of guys Four four two Gary coming out of college. So he runs well. Um, and, and, and I just, I don't think people understood maybe fully how slippery the guy was just how clever he is with the ball in his hands. Uh, because a lot of times you see wideouts doing, you know, some of the kick returning and the punt returning, not, not nickel corners or, 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 or safeties or backup defensive backs or whatever it turned out to be. So he just, Gary, he just never had a ton of opportunities at South Carolina or, you know, in, in his few years with the, with the Raiders and, and he's gotten those opportunities now and he's, he's turned into, you know, arguably the best return man in football. Yeah. Uh, is it safe to say he's in Green Bay because of Basashi? I mean, uh, yes, all, all yes. indications point that way. But yes, and 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 Gary, I would go as far as saying right now, you know, he'll be an unrestricted free agent come March. I would argue he's the number one guy they have to get resigned. Yeah, now that they uh, brought back Jenkins. Speaking of Jenkins, I, I, I thought that story really flew under the radar. I mean, to me, that was a huge, huge signing and a great decision by Gutekunst because if he would have got on the open market, man, I'll tell you what, a ton of teams would have came after him. Well, you're right, Gary, and, and maybe the most and, – and, and it probably did fly under the radar, and a lot of times these December signings, which is when Jenkins got signed, when the team's got some cap flexibility and they try to get contracts done in advance, and Green Bay's always been pretty good at that. Yeah. A lot of times they can fly under the radar, Gary, because you're, you know, you're, you're focused on the next opponent, right? Exactly. Whoever that was that yeah. particular week, right? They're getting ready for the Rams or they're getting ready for the Vikings or, or whatever it turned out to be. Oh, by the way, they signed Elton Jenkins. Jenkins to a pretty big contract. Gary, the fascinating part of Elton Jenkins's contract too, is there's a lot of incentives built in for if he does a, B, C, and D at left tackle, not just left guard at left tackle. Hmm. Um, you know, if, if uh, you know, if he's a pro bowl player at left tackle, if he plays X amount of snaps at left tackle um, what it does. And again, these are off season conversations that I'm sure we'll have when we're doing podcasts in the off season, Gary, but it does shine an even brighter light on the fact that David Bakhtiari's time in green Bay is probably close to an end. And Elton Jenkins is probably their left tackle of tomorrow um, because Jenkins is on the bar. I'm sorry. Bakhtiari is on the books next year. I think it's $29 million, Gary. And then it's 32 the following year. And, and for a guy, and I know he's playing well when he plays Gary, but prior to Sunday's game against Minnesota, in the last 36 games, David Bakhtiari had played nine, yeah. nine out of 36. So, yeah. um, you know, a guy on the wrong side of 30 now with that injury problem um, 
And, and I know the appendectomy wasn't his fault, obviously, but you know, he still is coming off three surgeries on that knee and, and we'll see if he can ever really get back to being the, the hall of fame level player that he was two seasons ago. Um, I would think David Bakhtiari's time in green Bay might be coming to an end and certainly Elton Jenkins, contract leads you to believe some of that is possible, Gary, with all those built-in stipulations and, and bonuses and incentives for Elton Jenkins to go make extra money if he's a left tackle. Yeah, I, I'm not a uh, salary cap guru by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I thought of this uh, as you were speaking. Can the Packers rework Bakhtiari's contract? Sure. sure. I mean, where, where he would say, hey, I want to finish my career in Green Bay because there's no way in hell they're going to pay him that, you know, $29 million or whatever it is, and uh, rightfully so, but – you know what, if if he would be willing to readjust that and come down, uh, man, would that would that be a coup for the Packers? Because that 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 performance he put on against the Vikings uh, on Sunday was Pro Bowl level. I mean, it was it was outstanding. And uh, but again, you know, his his health is is the key issue uh, at this point. Well, we all know quarterback slash general manager slash head coach Aaron Rodgers desperately <laughs> wants David Bakhtiari on the football team. He Absolutely. also desperately wants Randall Cobb on the football team yeah. as long as he's a member of the Green Bay Packers. Now, will that happen? I, I, I guess we'll, we'll wait and see. I guess we've got to wait and see to see uh, even if Aaron Rodgers is a member of the Green Bay Packers in 2023, and that'll sure. be a, a fascinating offseason storyline. But, no, I'm, I'm with you, Gary, uh, to, to bring him back in 2023, I, I, I just, I don't know how they can do it at that, at that dollar amount. Um, they're, they're going to have to sit down with Bakhtiari. And if, you know, if Bakhtiari wants to stay in green Bay, if they still want him in green Bay, probably come to, you know, an agreement of two thirds that money or, or something like that. I mean, the incentive always Gary, if you are a player there and you face the, the risk of being released, let's say green Bay says we'll take that number from 29 to 18 million, right. Or 20 million or whatever the number turns yeah. out. Yeah. David Bakhtiari has to know deep down. If he goes back on the open market, odds are, you know, the, the, the Cowboys, the giants, the bears, the, the, the lions, the dolphins, whoever it is, they're not going to give him 20 million, you know, green Bay might, nope. right. Nope. He's not going to get that money when he goes back out on the open market. So there is an incentive just as you know, while, while I know it's a, it's a slap in the face and a blow to the ego a little bit for, for guys to be asked to take a pay cut. It, it still beats a lot of times hitting the open market where they won't even get close to what the initial team is offering them in terms of dropping down. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, that, that's going to be, I think one of the top things green Bay is going to have on its to-do list this off season. Um, you know, we're a couple months away from that or, you know, six weeks, probably, I guess, Gary, uh, you know, from, from that being a major storyline, what is Green Bay going to do to get their salary cap in line with, with some of these high-priced veterans? But that's going to be that's going to have to be one of the things they're going to tackle in the offseason. If Bakhtiari is going to come back and be a member of this team, he, you know, he really can't do it at the better part of $30 million. And and Gary, if, you know, if he if he can come back and he's and he's healthy and he's even 80% of the player that he once was, the future of that line is incredibly bright with, you know, no a couple of, a couple of young guards, a young center that's getting better. You know, Yash Neishman is the, is an unrestricted free agent. We'll see what happens there, uh, but they do have some options. I mean, Zach Tom's a, 
a player who's on the rise. So I, I think they would honestly let Yash walk and they would, they would turn the right tackle job over to, to Zach Tom. And, you know, we've talked about this before, Gary, they've had three straight drafts now where they've taken three offensive linemen. Gutekunst has taken nine offensive linemen in his last three drafts. He, that's a position to him where he, you know, he has kind of said, we're going to keep that quarterback clean and, and his belief is that if he hits on 50, 60, 65% of those guys, they are going to be in absolutely terrific shape. And, and he's done that. He, he, I mean, he really has on, on, you know, time and time again with, with some of these offensive line uh, picks that he's made. So um, left tackle is a tough position to fill Gary. So, I mean, it, it, it would, it, it would, it would benefit, I think both sides, if they could bring, bring Bakhtiari back for a lower number, but they have covered their bases in case they can't. And, and, and they did that with the Jenkins contract, like you mentioned. And, and uh, you know, if, if Bakhtiari does leave it, it all signs certainly do point to Elton Jenkins at left tackle. Sure. Sure. Hey, Rob, uh, before we uh, wrap up this podcast, I wanted to get your thoughts on DeMar Hamlin. I, I know the story has been covered in every conceivable manner, but uh I, I just wanted to get your thoughts. Anything that uh, you wanted to say about it? Yeah, I mean, certainly nothing new or striking. Like you mentioned, everybody, everybody in the media world is, has talked about this ad nauseum for the last three days. It was extremely sad, and and I've you know I, I get a kick Gary out of everybody that runs to social media and says prayers, prayers, prayers because I mean, obviously we're all praying for the guy and we're praying for life. No one's. No, no, no one's praying for death, but everybody's got to go to social media to get their own, you know, stamp on things. Um, Gary, I, I thought the NFL handled it well. I, I really did. Um, you know, the, the game needed to, and, and, and like Troy Vincent said, he had no idea where the five minute delay stuff came from. And then they'd resume the game after a five minute hiatus or anything like that. The bottom line is the coaches got together and the league was smart by postponing the game. Um, I saw Joe Burrow today said, whatever Buffalo wants to do in terms of resuming the game, not resuming the game, you know, calling it a tie, saying that, saying that it's no game, that the game was never played now and Buffalo and Cincinnati will each finish the season with 16 games. Joe Burrow said, whatever Buffalo does, we support it. So, you know, I, I think what, what a classy gesture, huh? Such a great, such a yeah. great young kid, isn't he? Yeah. He's, he's going to be a great role model and spokesman for the league for a decade now. And, and Cincinnati's lucky to have that guy, Gary. I, I did think the brotherhood of the league and, and stuff really came out. It, it didn't matter, you know, what, what color or what, what number or whatever, what stripes were on your Jersey. Um, it, 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 it is one giant fraternity and everybody rallied around this kid. Um, I, I thought it was extremely encouraging and a, and a positive sign for society, the way everybody backed this kid's toy drive. And, and I think it's over $6 million today. That, that was a pretty cool sign and, and, and a pretty neat gesture, I think, by just, just the general public and society in, in general. Um, again, Gary, it's a you know, you, you hear so many people outraged about the violence in the sport and stuff like that. Now, I, I mean, Gary, it's, it's been a violent sport for 100 years. Yeah. Everybody that grabs a helmet understands the risks that, that they're about to, you know, face every time they walk on the football field. And the league has done 100 different things in the last 25 years to make the game far more safer. You pop in a game of Chuck Cecil, Gary, in 1988, 
playing football versus versus the way we play football today. And it looks like a totally different sport. The league has done everything they can to make this sport as I, I would say as, as safe as possible in 2022, uh, occasionally fluky stuff is going to happen. This was just one of those rare, rare type events. And, and you, 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 you pray and you certainly hope that, you know, DeMar Hamlin uh, winds up getting through this. And, and there's been a lot of positive, encouraging signs in the, in the last 48 hours or so, Gary, which is, which is great news for everybody. But, you know, I, I, I think overall, Gary, uh, you know, I, again, I, I think the league handled it extremely well. I, I thought the responses from teams around the league and certainly the bills and, and Bengals at the forefront, was was outstanding right after the incident and ever since again much like you know Joe Burrow saying the game itself doesn't matter who cares if we don't finish it or not um so um yeah it, it'll be interesting now Gary to see where where it goes from here I don't anticipate that game even gets touched or replayed um and and I think those teams will finish the season with 16 games and and then you know it, it'll affect seeding a little bit uh, but at the end of the day, Gary, who cares, right? Where you're seated. The bottom line is, you know, it, it would have been irresponsible to ever try to resume that football game. All that mattered that night was Demar Hamlin's Hamlin's health, and and you know they'll go from there. And um, yeah, I, I again, I don't know that that's anything new or or interesting, Gary. I, again, I was you know extremely saddened when it first happened as well. But again, we all understand the risk. It's 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 an extremely violent game, and. And occasionally the Daryl Stingley kind of stuff in this league is, is, is going to pop up. Obviously you hope the kid makes a, a, a full recovery. It sounds like he's a terrific young man and, and, you know, and, 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 and I guess Gary, you know, we'll kind of go from there, but yeah. uh, you know, we're, we're, we're back now to 72 hours away from, from playing football. And um, you know, I, I think a lot of people are kind of ready now to turn the page. Yeah. You know, Rob, I, I was a, uh, a kid when, Jack Tatum delivered that vicious blow on Daryl Stingley. Sure. And, and when I saw that, I, like so many other people that, that did see it, thought he was dead. I, I really did. I mean, it, it was like the scariest thing I had ever seen, especially at that age. And after that, I thought, you know what? Football is a violent game, and, and someday that's going to happen. I mean, yeah. and incredibly, it hasn't. You know, I mean, it's it's over 50 years, and it hasn't happened, thank God. But when, when this uh, incident with uh, Hamlin occurred, I, you know, the, the immediate reaction was, man, he must have took a vicious hit. But it was such a freakish play. Right. Cardiac arrest. I mean, what are the odds? I mean, they, they had to be absolutely astronomical for that to happen. I mean, we haven't heard of that happening, at least as I recall. Um but yeah, you know, like you, everybody's praying for the for the young man, and hopefully uh, everything will work out for him. Gary, I heard it. You know, and and you're right. We haven't seen anything like that happen, at least in football. I did hear a story um, that uh, a situation like that, and again, it, it it it's just that really freaky, rare spot where you can get hit that could yeah. trigger the cardiac arrest. That in a lacrosse game. Uh, a college lacrosse game like 10 years ago, there was a kid who took a lacrosse ball to that exact same spot. And, and he had a similar situation uh, kind of unfold again, extremely freaky, but it's, it's, it's that one rare spot that can trigger that. Right. And um, I, you know, I, I guess in many levels, we've been fortunate not to have anything like that happen in the NFL. You, you get your, you get your weekly stuff, don't you? With, with, 
with ACLs or shoulder separations or broken ankles or, or whatever it is, but, but you don't have life and death. And, and again, I mean, it, it, it was remarkably freaky. We might have another 50 years, Gary, before we, you know, see anything like this again. And, um, you know, you mentioned the, 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 the Tatum Stingley type of deal, Gary, and the, and the league has done a nice job. I would say in the last 20 years, uh, 25, 30 years of, of taking those kind of plays and those blows out of the game. You just don't, you don't see them anymore. Um, you know, for, for the most part. And if you do a guy's getting a two game, a four game, whatever it is, suspension, he's getting thrown out of the current game. So the NFL has done, I think Gary, a pretty good job of everything they can. And, and let's be honest, what's a violent, violent sport of making it, I guess, as, as clean as possible from some of those uh, vicious career ending season ending type of hits that you would have saw in the seventies and eighties and, you know, midway through the nineties and every now and then you're going to get a sad, sad situation like this, but you know, it, it is at the end of the day, Gary, it, it it's football and, it, and it's going to pop up from, from time to time. And um, you know, un, unfortunately that happened Monday night, but I, but again, I, I think the reaction across the league and I think the way the NFL has handled this in general has largely been a real positive. Yeah, no, totally agree. So Rob, uh, another podcast is in the books. Uh, thanks as usual for your uh, candid takes. And, Final uh, regular season podcast, Gary. Next week we do the playoff podcast. Oh, listen to you, Mr. Optimistic. <laughs> 31-17. You know what? I, I agree. I, I think uh, they're easily going to cover the spread. I think the spread is four and a half. And Is that what uh, it is? Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. So, I mean, uh, no, there, there's no excuses. I mean, it, it's – it's in their control right now, and I, I think they will uh, control their destiny into the playoffs. So, anyways, I, agree. I, I think a week <laughs> now we're talking about can Aaron Rodgers beat Brock Purdy? <laughs> okay. So, anyways, thanks again, Rob. Good, good hearing from you. Glad you're uh, feeling much better, and uh, you'll be activated for Sunday's game. And also, uh, thanks to our great uh, group of listeners. Take care, and all the best. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and WooflesPressBox.com.